Feel nice and spooky. There we all, you all got our Elvira's going. Are we ready? Are we ready? Everyone's got their Elvira's, huh? No? You just turn the lights down. Uh, I would always turn the lights down when it was time to watch Elvira, even when I was eight. She's still stunning. I don't she's, care. She, she does not age. It's, she might be a vampire. She's part of the reason I like this whole Halloween stuff so much. And I think now it's understandable because I examined a lot of her greetings and salutations. And welcome once again to the Capeless Crusaders live at the time from the spooky safe house. Ooh, come on, guys. Ah. Ooh, there you go. I am your co-host, the gothic Azorian one, Anthony Steves, but that is not my social media handle, so don't type in the gothic Azorian one, just type in the Azorian one. I, I just, I'm just spooking things up and you're rambling now as I go. You're going to need to actually get that. Yeah, you know you're right. You're going to have to actually I'm going to have to go get the gothic Azorian one. The gothic Azorian one, and it's just an entire Halloween account. Like, I think we might need to do it year-round. Uh-huh, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have a, It's just, you brooding just, over a candle. Like with oh, the, yeah. with the shadows, starting and then on it's like starting yes. on the first day of fall, which is what they were recording on today. That that's that's what I would do it on. Uh, Gothic Azorian one. Anyway, I am joined by two other members, two other co-hosts of the Capeless Crusaders, and coming up first is of course the uh, the uh, let me think of something the the Samhain goddess warrior. This time, I have no idea if she approves of that or not, but <laughs> she's the ever so talented. Amy, you can find me at IJN. You were bought on the various social media platforms, and I need to acknowledge that today is Maybon as we are recording. It is mm. not Samhain. Not yet. We are we are on the equinox, mm-hmm. as much as all you Twilight children remember the song <laughs> "Meet Me on the Equinox" from the Twilight series. <laughs> That's as much as you learned. Twinkle, 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 sparkly, sparkly. <laughs> but down in the corner, he sparkles whether he's having uh, delightful treats <laughs> any year round. He is. This is Son of Mander, the intern. <laughs> and uh, I just uh, registered at Gothic Azorian for myself. Nice. Uh, oh, and I put a, oh. And I, I put a picture of me uh, with Gothic makeup on. It's just going to be me wearing goth things from now on. So you're welcome. We'll teach you well. We will teach you well. We'll get your eyeliner game on point. Yeah. I want to travel. Know, to the alternate universe where there is a gothic Manderson and just see what that's like. I want to experience gothic Manderson. Just to... Just emo. To emo yeah. Mandy. Mm-hmm. I, f- I feel like the varying uh, multiverse Mandersons are just... You seem like... Mm, it's very subtle. Gothic Manderson's weird. It's oh, very look, subtle hipster, changes. Yeah. Hipster <laughs> Manderson, he's got a mustache that he... He waxes the edges. Girl, yeah, he, he just waxes. But that's okay. it. They're so subtle. It's just, it's just yeah, one that's thing it. that's different and the rest of the yeah. same. So it's yep. one, so emo Manderson has the liner, mm-hmm. hipster yeah. Manderson has yeah. his waxed mm-hmm. yep. mustache. Yep. Like, and that's all that's changed. Everything else old, is the same. Old man yeah. Manderson just has the crow's feet. Like, are we are we doing that? Yeah, he'd probably have a walker with tennis balls just to emphasize. The old well, man I think see, I think you have one of those those gifts, much like um, Dorian Gray, where you're just aging. You know, you don't age, but your portrait does. So you get okay. like the little tiny, nice crow's feet. Yeah, we never it. know. And then yeah. in your portrait, he's like everything, and he's got his little tennis ball walker, and it'd be great. <laughs> yeah. Those of you wondering what the hell you stumbled into. <laughs> shenanigans. Shenanigans are afoot. <laughs> this is the first of our three features of Fright series. That's right. It is spooky season. And so we came together and we're going to present to you three features of Fright, three episodes dedicated to the spooky and the scary and the oh-so-frightening and thrilling comics that exist in the comic world. And we chose three specific ones, three specific volumes we're talking to you about. The first one today, of course, being Revival Volume 1, which was created by Tim Seeley and Mike Norton. Friend and of the show, Tim friend Seeley. Friend of the show. Friend of the show, Tim Seeley. That's right. Who did a uh, Zoom interview with us, or maybe it was Skype back then, a Skype interview with us a couple years back talking about everything he's done in the comic book world. Tim, thank you for being part of the episode. So here's another Tim Seeley uh, uh, project we'll be bringing your way. And like every other episode, this episode is brought to you in part by the Nerd On Nation, powered by... 
Patreon. it out on. The Nerdon Nation allows us to keep the lights on and up our quality. As a member of the Nerdon Nation, for as little as $1 to $5 a month, you get early access to episodes, a Discord community, nerdon.tv slash Discord, bonus episodes, and so much more. Check it out at nerdon.tv slash Patreon. I really couldn't even add anything to that. That was so brilliant when you rolled into it. So I was just like, I'm going to leave it alone. Let him feel this out. And I'm not going to stop that last one. Because I'm like, Patreon, would you like to go on Patreon? Please support us. Yes, Patreon. Moreover, for anything related to the Capeless Crusaders and Nerdon, you can head on over to thecapelesscrusaders.com or nerdon.tv slash the capeless crusaders your hub for all thing crusaders from there you can find all our content as well as the rest of the nerd on podcast family or brood if you prefer <laughs> or clan or, or clan herd. it was that's really good like or murder murder no sorry we're not a collection of crows calm down <laughs> they're smaller than ravens and i would prefer to be a raven nevermore Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Senor Poe. Uh, Olay. That was actually that was really good. I was really impressed, buddy. Yeah, that's a good did one. You, Thank you. Did the you Raven. practice that, or did you just do that off the top? Oh, of your we head? did. Oh, he did it off the top, top of his head. head. That's off the top of my head. Yeah. Because he starts moving around, the mm-hmm. more he it's natural, and mm-hmm. when he gets super hyper focused, it's mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. Nobody will see this besides us. Mm-hmm. Possibly it's Josh. Just give away my give away my shtick. Uh, the Raven came a rapping, a rap rap racking, a racking. Mm-hmm. Or is he a ramp, 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 Anyway, the Raven's rapping. Anyway, as we have expressed, you are here for the first of the three features of Fright. Did I say that right? <laughs> it's not three Frightful features, but it's the, the three I, features. Uh, yeah, I said it right. Three features of Fright, yeah. I'm the one who came up with the title, and I'm the one questioning whether it's right. Anyway, uh, before we, we get... We could workshop it. <laughs> ...to the first feature <laughs> in our three features of Fright, we do what we always do. Well, 90% of the time. And Sometimes. we decide to discuss what it is we're reading outside of our main topic today. And we do that in this little shtick called Around the Horn. the spookiness of it. <laughs> you inhaled the fog uh, again, didn't you? I did. I had the smoke. I had the fog machine on for a podcast. It's ridiculous. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Your entertainment value keeps going up, baby. It keeps going up. I'm putting on a big production, a visual production for an audio podcast. Anyway. In California, you just got to open your window and let the smoke <laughs> come in. It's the clouds. It's the clouds. <laughs> So, of course, during the lovely and classic segment of ours called Round the Horn, we discuss, uh, no longer around the circular table because that's just years in the past, years in, the, in history, uh, we discuss what comics we're reading uh, on our own. Now, for myself, I did a you know a bad job of keeping up with my chilling adventures of Sabrina, but of course, I will be picking that up with our next two episodes. That is what I'm focusing on outside of our main topics, and that's Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. So I will be back on that for our next episode. But, Amy. Hiyo. What are Miyazaki? you reading? Yeah. <laughs> Ghibli Fest is coming, sir. There's, there's responsibilities that I have to my community. Um, so as always, if you're not tired of my shtick, and I hope you're not because soon... Our brothers and sister over at the Nerd On Podcast are going to be covering my favorite webtoon comic that is actually coming out in full publication in October, which is Lore Olympus. Yeah, yeah. Of course, it is following the story of Persephone and Hades, as well as mixing in additional different myths and spins on it, because, of course, it's great. Um, and I'm excited to actually be a guest host with Nerd On. So by the time this comes out, you'll probably yeah. be able to hear that too. So yeah. Um, and yeah, so I've been kept up on that. And then of course, for book books, as book books go, I have just completed as of today, Mr. Stephen Fry's Mythos. Nice. Um, which is lovely to listen to him kind of give modern vernacular to Greek gods and goddesses, which is great. It's like, hey, we're not doing that. And it's in Stephen Fry's voice because I don't have a Stephen Fry voice. So 
Um, <laughs> I really appreciated it. Um, it's very nice after 10 plus hours of me doing computer work. So between that um, and then, yay, and then um, I have picked up Critical Roles Volume 2 for the origins of Vox Machina. Of course, being the super Manderson, even though he's son of Manderson. The intern. intern. Yeah. Filing it's, paperwork. Hey, no, it's yeah. son of Mander, comma, intern. The intern. Not the intern. Uh, intern. I intern on other things too. No. The inter- intern. Um, so, of Inter. course, Critical Role has completed their second campaign after six years or so. Um, <laughs> and Dark Horse actually partnered with them to Ooh. put out not only the origin stories of the characters from Volume 2, but as well as most of the stories for Volume 1. And Super Manderson, of course, has been our DM for Crusaders and Dragons. And so maybe I was just, you know, I was missing some some game time. So. <laughs> I just want a little, like, uh, not to be eaten by an undead T-Rex and watch my body float <laughs> down the river because my partners in crime were not going to go get me because they were told, and I quote by my DM, just let her go. Let her go. It'll be great. Classic. That was a good and, time. And now I'm a dwarf. <laughs> T-Rex is only be fed. He wants to hunt. And now I'm a dwarf that currently, I think, we're still trapped in a in a wall of vines. A wall of vines. On, making our way towards a shrine. Surrounded and, by frog people. And surrounded mm. by frog people. Look, oh, he remembers and and it's been it's been over a year. And this mm. is how much it, this has deeply wounded me <laughs> that yeah. I recall this. <laughs> it's been like two years, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I remember. That's been it's gonna come back to I get reminders point. because Apple's really nice and they have the picture of when my character dies and I have my face, my hands in my <laughs> <laughs> over my face and it came up yesterday. Nice. So, so yeah, yes. Spectacles, <laughs> testicles, wallet and watch. <laughs> All right. Well, that's what I've been reading slash alluding to, not hinting at that I need another uh, campaign or two sessions. Uh, not intern, son of Mander, comma, ruiner of my poor life. Uh, how <laughs> okay. are you doing, buddy? Just wait, 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 wait. Intern Manderson, have you filed the paperwork already? Have you? Did you get the uh, co- did you get the coffee? Did you move the boxes? Did you did, did you check the mail? I forgot. I got the I got Ooh. the boxes yeah, in the did, mail. Uh-huh. I didn't check the mail while I was there, and I forgot the coffee uh, in the mail. Who hired this guy? So you did. got this kid. It's my it first the, day. It was the news monkey. Remember. You had the news oh, monkey demoted. News monkey, that son of a biscuit. He's out to get you. I'm pretty sure. I'm gonna talk I to think him. he's I'm, for I'm me. A, it's a coup. It's a coup. I'm going to get that goddamn news monkey. Manderson, what you reading? Yeah. Uh, I have caught up on uh, Miles Morales' Spider-Man. Nice. Yeah. Uh, which has been solid. Uh, the story arc that just ended, um, or that I just finished, I haven't picked up the next one yet, was called the the Clone Saga, and it ties in to some previous story arcs where Miles was kidnapped uh, and put through a bunch of tests and torture and pushed to his limits to see what his abilities were um, by basically this this AI, mm. and then he escapes and they just kind of let him go and you think well nothing's going to come of it. But they had taken blood samples and cloned him. And like that, so the, the story arc where he was captured and going through that stuff, that was like, I felt like it was really dark. Because um, mm-hmm. it was torturous, it was demeaning, and it was just, this is rough for anybody to go to. And it was just, it was hard to read, but it was the storytelling and the struggle that he went through was was worth the victory at the end. But then nice. this comes back around, and this got dark too. Um, because these clones all have different attributes and they're kind of not perfectly as clones. Things went wrong. Um, so one of them is more arachnid in form and has like sp- spiky appendages coming out of them. One of them looks like a pile of glue mm. um, and is just all slurpy. Um, and another one is kind of uh, is closer to him but wields knives and, and stuff. And Peter Parker and Miles Morales fight these guys and things happen and I'm going to leave it at that. It was really good um, and kind of the, the end culmination of it uh, was worth every story arc that led up to this. It felt like this was what that all led to. Mm. And now we're kind of getting a transition um, and a change in Miles' uh, outfit. Ooh. Uh, and it's one. also uh, his 
10 years since his creation by the great Brian Michael Bendis. So, is, is it the one happy that's... Anniversary. Happy, happy birthday, happy Miles birthday, Morales. Happy birthday, Miles. Is this what's leading to that nice suit that has a certain spangly uh, symbol on it? When he's got the... He's carrying a certain shield. Is Do you mean that... fear of the shield? Are we having this conversation right now? Was, well, I just saw the picture that Miles eventually becomes... That's year of the shield. Yeah. Do you need old man? Do you need old man cap on the bench with the shield? They're making pop of it. I'm asking both of you. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Okay. I don't, I don't have any more room for pops. I mean, yes, I would do. love that, but have have shelves. Yeah. You have new house. Have shelves. I do want to get a Sam Wilson true. cap pop. I need to add that to my list That's too. True. Sam Wilson cap. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, anyway, Miles. Uh, that's yeah. Thank you, man. And the, since we mentioned some books, books. I started yeah. reading Star Wars: Heir to the Empire because I'm a nerd. Yay! Nice. Yeah. I've I've never read it before, but all of my Star Wars friends say it's like that's the the book series to read. So, the lightsaber's over there. But go, go. Can I hum that? Am I legally? Can I legally hum that? Is that okay? Was, nah, we deterred it enough to. by talking over the top of you that it just kind of okay. sounded like you were humming. We're uh, not okay. Um, what's the what's the next segment? <laughs> Wait, <laughs> uncomfortable yeah, managers. Hey, what's if next Steve segment? hasn't read anything, that's right. I was like, yes. Steve, what have you? Nope, no? nothing. Nope. No. We've completed around the horn, and I'm moving on to our next spooky segment called the news. We got yes. two not so spooky news stories for you. But why not spoopy news stories? Um, well, I'll do that the next time. I, I went with comic book news, and the, the comic book news we have is not that you know spooky. Although the first story does involve a character who could be you know kind of a dark and brooding character who perches on rooftops. It involves the actor who Madison. portrays not him. No, oh. not, not oh. that. that no. Wait, what? <laughs> that alternate universe mustache. Yeah, multiverse Madison. spooky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about Charlie Cox, the actor who portrayed. Matt Murdock, a.k.a. Daredevil, in the Netflix series Daredevil. Uh, he has expressed that he believes, this is simply him just uh, in an interview with Forbes, giving his opinion uh, without trying to cause any issues, that he believes John Bernthal's Punisher should remain in the universe and be in the MCU. Uh, his exact quote, as was presented by Comic Book, but again, this is during an a interview, a podcast interview with Forbes, Cox said, I don't know what the politics are. I don't know what goes on behind the scenes. I don't know any of that stuff. I don't know what the rules are, the deal that Netflix made. Whatever I say, it can be taken out of context, and it could be a headline that could mean something. So I'm just a little careful of what I say now. He's covering his ass as he says this, of course. Because it's the, it's the, one, the same one for comic book where they asked him about No Way Home. And the likelihood of Charlie Cox showing up. And he said, I can tell you that those weren't my forearms. Mm-hmm. But he also alludes to, not very subtly, that I cannot, it was like, a, I cannot not say exactly. that I might be in this movie. <laughs> uh, he does then say, but the only thing I'll say is I don't know who could do a better version of the Punisher than John Bernthal. And that character is beloved. People are crazy for Frank Castle. So if they're going to do it again, I hope they do it with him because I don't think it gets better than that. Charlie Cox is simply echoing what the majority of Marvel readers, MCU viewers believe. John Bernthal was born to play Frank Castle. Um, he just, as much as I did like Tom Thomas Jane when it first came out. He uh, did a great job. He did a great and- job for what he was given and the type of uh, adaptation they were doing. But John Bernthal just seems to easily capture the essence and rage of one Frank Castle in his performance. And that, that's just something that Bernthal excels at. So, yeah, yeah. there's Charlie Cox. John, John McGinley. I'm sorry? John, McG- John McGinley from Scrubs. Oh, Dr. Uh, Cox. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I got the joke. I was just like, wait, wait. Wait, Steve, I just I, I just Steve, picture his Steve. overacting uh, smile gif. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no, Charlie. Uh, we're talking about Frank Castle. Uh, oh, John Bernthal, the guy who grunts when he's really angry at you, and that's when you, you know you've you've er. fucked up. You've you're, right, you're Doc, Doctor Cox. That, yeah. yeah, sure, he that's does. it. Yeah, mm-hmm. actually, my my doctor actually is <laughs> Doctor Cox. 
Dr. Kiana Cox. So there's that. Get it, Dr. Cox. <laughs> I can't say Cox. I say Cax. Cax. I mean, Cax. the joke writes itself. I'm going it always for has. a physical with Dr. Cox. Anyway. Hey. Huh. So, Charlie Cox. <laughs> I'm, I wasn't going to take that farther than I needed to go. But you know me. I have to take it to yeah. very TVMA. To the limit. Push it to the limit. Uh. <laughs> Charlie Cox saying what we all agree with, that John Bernthal should still be in the MCU as Frank Castle. Anyone else, anyone else who's cast should be yelled at, unless it's me. Anyway, moving on. To- <laughs> and in other words, we will yell praise in your direction and hope that you do not mess it up. I'm more a booster we will support gold guy. You. I'm more a booster gold guy anyway. Keep you have not retweeted. You can only if you just put it out once, it's not going to be seen. I, you I know, know this. I You're know. a social media man. Life happens, this. okay? Yeah, I, and then like, we make other plans. I'm running 20 social media accounts, it feels. Okay. 20? Yeah. When did that happen? I'm like seven alone. Anyway. But but a Steve's I, life I handled always 40. finds a way. Yes. Oh life. thank you, Dr. Malcolm. Finds a way. There, there it is. Uh, moving I on to our, se- our second and last piece of news. This also in the Marvel Universe, in the MCU. We're talking about Karen Gillan, who of course plays Nebula in and the Amy MCU. Pond. That's why people call me Amelia. Exactly. Sorry, keep keep talking. Also in, uh, in um, Jumanji, the, the two mm. sequels with, with Dwayne and Jack and Kevin. And Gunpowder Milkshake. Gunpowder Milkshake. On Netflix. Which you haven't seen. And have we covered all her bases? Have we covered? No. no not, not really. She's close. done so much. But but she's done so much. We, we'll give her a space We probably be. covered the top four IMDb has up for her. So we've probably covered that already. Uh, she expressed some emotions regarding reading the latest Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 script from Mr. James Gunn. Uh, she spoke to Heroic Hollywood. And her actual quote, uh, after sitting down with her co-star, Pom Clementiev, who plays Mantis. I hope I'm saying the name right. If I'm saying the name wrong, I'm I'm sorry. I apologize. Uh, They read through James Gunn's story, and they ended up in tears when they had read it. Uh, Her full quote was, we read it in the same room together and then looked at each other, and we were in floods of tears. You're learning more about existing characters and on a deeper level. I'm really excited at exploring Nebula post-Thanos. Yeah, yeah. So she now knows. Hey, she knows paper football, and mm-hmm. she spent all that time getting to know Tony, mm-hmm. and all of those. And then there's so many ands, mm-hmm. and so now mm-hmm. we get to see her be her amazing self. And in, I'm excited. In, in what is going to be reportedly James Gunn's last uh, production in the MCU, his final go around with the Guardians, since he seems to be going full blown with. The DCEU now, after the success of the Suicide Squad and doing the Peacemaker series with the guy no one can see, John Cena. I mean, he has a toilet bowl on his head. Anybody can see him after that. It's not a toilet bowl. It's a symbol of liberty. (laughs) It was a toilet bowl. You did it right, though. I'm so proud of you. Side note, her her giving the line like, hey, cha-cha, I was just like dying in the what if episode. I was like, oh, Chad, no. I will always adore how John Cena fully embraces self-deprecation in all his roles. How he makes... I even saw... He did a corny rated R comedy on Hulu with... Um, oh, God. I forget, uh, Wedding Friends, I think it's called. Uh, hold on. Hold on. We watched it. It was actually for being a hold corny... Up. A corny... Oh, yeah, like, was that with, with John C. McGinley? No, no, no. Not him. <laughs> oh, okay. Not him. Not him. Toilet Bowl Man. Uh, I'm forgetting his name. It was with name, Mr. Clean. But it was the actor who played uh, the TSA agent in Get Out. Oh, um, yeah. And, um, uh, in, uh, from, and from the show Insecure, Issa Rae's best friend on the show. I'm forgetting her name right now. Hang on. Is it a little Ray? Hang on. Hang on. I thought it was Ray something. I like him. It's Okay, the movie's called Vacation Friends. The name was Ray. You're right, Amy. Hey. Uh, the actor... Who played Ray, who was in Get Out? He is Lil Rel Howery. So I was close. Yes. I got a little, I got and it in two different spaces. Yvonne Orgy from uh from Insecure mm-hmm. and John Cena and Meredith Hanger. It was basically they have this insane uh trip and they meet John Cena's character and his and his wife, 
and it's just rated R hilarity ensues. It's stupid but funny. Like, it's one of those, you know it's stupid, but it's making you laugh movies. In and, other words, it's something that you need just to turn off your brain to enjoy. Yes, and just yeah, go with it. That in our life. Go with the mm. ridiculousness, and you're going to bust up laughing at least a few times, I felt. And it's, I mean, it's, again, that's really hard for me. Like, my it, brain functions at a high-functioning level. Like, <laughs> that king shark jumping around with the things that were going to eat him. I yeah. was like, oh, you touched the cockles of my heart, sir, and I don't have very big cockles. <laughs> Stop it, Steve. Stop it. Uh, <laughs> And I just was like, don't laugh, don't laugh, don't Amy, laugh. Amy said too many trigger words for my, for me, for me. For TV because I'm talking about shellfish. Mm-hmm. shellfish. I don't think you can say triggered anymore. It triggers people. Cockles. <laughs> Amy said cockles. Um, but I, well, I there's appreciate- cockles and mussels. Alive, alive, oh. <laughs> All shellfish. Making shellfish songs here, people. I appreciate when big muscular John Cena can make fun of himself. And he tends to do that pretty well in movies like this. Trainwreck. Um... Uh, the sisters with uh, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. He's really good at doing that. So when I see big guys who are self-deprecating, I enjoy that. John Cena is good at that. So which he did do with Peacemaker, showing up in his tidy whiteies. That was that, that was quick off-ramp I had to go on because I had to remember yeah. the name of this movie. Vacation Friends, if you have Hulu, so, it's on there. So John Cena. You can't see him. Nobody ever saw him coming. No one. Uh, there it is. Dun, 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 dun. Right. So mean, he's in the next Guardians movie, is what you're saying. So was or, see. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. He might be, but see, this is the other thing that I have. John Cena, you know, we can't see him, but in 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 hindsight, I think he just tried to elevate or take over Stone Cold's like in plain sight type of standard, which I appreciate more. Look at. Look at look at her showing the studying she's been doing in the I world. I didn't tell me, Andy. I've been studying. I'm supposed to be interviewing. I'm supposed you. to be interviewing Sir Samurai from uh, SPW Wrestling this Saturday, as well as nice. Andrew Feely. That's a UFC like fighter. Uh-huh. So I have to do some research. Holy shit! I just realized we should we should get Daniel Torch. I've talked to him. Yeah, he's still get Daniel Torch on a on a bonus episode or something. There you go. Uh, Is that uh, the new guy in marketing? Yep. Yeah, that's a new guy in marketing. Yeah, okay. yeah. He, he likes to wear tights. Don't worry about it. Um, Manderson, Amy's been doing a lot of research in the world of professional wrestling lately. and she's It keeps been... me away from having to watch all the spooky things because yes. I nearly, and for <laughs> our dear listeners, I literally passed out because I had never seen Friday the 13th. I saw it on a Friday the 13th. I was unaware of the actual, that twist right at the end of the movie. And I will turn wider than a sheet and you're about passed out. <laughs> and needless to say, if someone had been taking video, as Steve's would just be like, replay, replay. <laughs> I would save that video. Show it again. Show it again. Show it again. Posted on our Instagram every Friday. Every Friday. The every Friday. Always, he goes, remember that time when Amy turned white and almost passed out? And then uh, she's like, yeah. If only we hey, also had clips of you watching Halloween. I could just I, I have just pictures fill, of me just doing this. I could fill our social media with it. It's fantastic. <laughs> I mean, that goes on Gothic, Gothic and the Gothic Azorian. <laughs> Gothic Azorian one. <laughs> it can't be Taz anymore. It'll be Tagaz one. Um, That's the dirty. One. Tagaz one. Tagaz one? Tagaz one. Anyway. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what it sounded like. You hit the nail on the proverbial head and no, I don't know Tagaz ones. No, no. Este vez, no. Take another swig, Manderson. There you go. <laughs> I don't even know what's in that container. <laughs> That's not the mule. No, it's just straight look. It's just straight alcohol yeah. now. <laughs> You're like, it's it's happened. We haven't even gotten to our main topic because we've completed around the news. Which, thank you for saying that, Amelia. Of vodka. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> we now arrive at our main topic. The reason we are here in our three features of fright series. Today, tonight, whenever you're listening. Hopefully it's nighttime with a candle lit and a jack-o'-lantern next to you and, I don't know, some sort of symbols that would frighten other people. We are discussing. <laughs> I sit in a, in, a, in a pentagram every night, Amy, through the month of October. 
We, first, we haven't even hit October. Second, mm-hmm. Maybon is a celebration of the harvest hey. and being thankful for what we have. Hey. It is the second hey. of two harvest festivals hey. that come preceding Samhain and the hey. glory of the harvest that is Samhain. Hey. So don't tell me about your salt circles, homie. Hey, I know what the pagan traditions are. I'm trying to be spooky over here. Damn it. I think he uses sugar, so that way it's easier to lick up. When he- <laughs> That's what Sally's like. Hey, we're good. We're good. No, he uses I, salt as long I, as he has tequila. As I'd long be, as he's tearing on a tequila, go, okay. we know exactly what he's doing. That'd be but my then character. Melissa's like, Mm-mm, That'd no, be my sweetie. character on Supernatural. They've got the salt circles, and I'm the one who pours sugar. Oh, shit. <laughs> no, you're the one that goes, who's got the limes? And you have the bottles. You've got the bottles. You're just like, yes, we go. Anyway, that would be our luck. <laughs> try to be dark over here, Amy. We are reading in our first installment, Revival Volume 1, by Tim Seeley, friend of the show, and Mike Norton, possible friend of the show. Soon to be friend of the show, if not already. Since we're talking about this. Uh, Volume 1, You're Among Friends. Now, I will read the synopsis that is on the back of Volume 1, because look, I have the physical copy. I have... (laughs) <laughs> anyway, <laughs> she places some sort of figurine. On, it's on zero. Zero. It's it zero from from Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, yeah, there he is. Yeah, I see it now. Yes, thank you. I didn't see the nose come protrude. I just saw eyes and yep. ears. Anyway, as people are wondering what the hell's going on in our, in our video because they can't see, here is the synopsis for Revival Volume 1. Hmm. <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> I could be brown. I could be blue. I could be... Okay. Don't... Amy just... Oh, I had to pause because Amy did a no-no in my book. We are in the middle of spooky season and she made a Santa Claus figurine dance across her screen. And if there's one thing I can't stand is Santa during this time of year. Okay? November 3rd, bring out Santa. Not yet. I was going to say Veterans Day, but it's November 9th. <laughs> Or 11. <laughs> Sorry, my birthday's the 9th. No, November 3rd. I wait till after I Dia need to Dia. stop drinking the Pepsi, Cherry Pepsi, and, and Jack. <laughs> I wait till after Dia de los Muertos before I'm ready for everything else. So, okay, the synopsis <laughs> for Revival Volume 1. There's Jack. Thank you. For one day in rural central Wisconsin, the dead come back to life. Now it's up to Officer Dana Cypress to deal with the media scrutiny, religious zealots, and government quarantine that has come with them. In a town where the living have to learn to deal with those who are supposed to be dead, Officer Cypress must solve a brutal murder, and everyone, alive or undead, is a suspect. Mm. Like that? Like that? Like that? Yeah, I did that. that, That's me. Uh, Volume one of Arrival. Those of you who've listened already know that I am a fan of Mr. Tim Seeley because... I was introduced to the greatness of Hackslash, and I discovered a few years ago that he had done Revival as his next big project and wanted to read it, and thoroughly uh, had, well, I won't say it yet, had my positive opinion of it, and wanted to bring it to the rest of the Crusaders, and I thought during this time, during the spooky season, would be a good time to bring it up. So, with that said, since I already know how I feel about it, Amy... Manderson, mm-hmm. whoever I just <laughs> caught on to Manderson's background. <laughs> uh, breaking so many rules this is here. Almost Christmas. I'm going to doubt dare look, you. Look, I'm it's, matching because it's look, really cold. Over here. It's I'm so now, chilly where Manderson so is. There's chilly. a snowman. To remain and there's caribou. In this gothic voice until I feel I'm <laughs> respected, which may not happen this episode. Uh, Christmas Town. Amy Manderson, uh, your opinions on Revival Volume 1. Mandy, would you like to go first? Uh, I'm just, you know, I finished the first issue, and I think I texted you guys, like, just finished issue one, and I'm freaking hooked. I'm in for the long haul on this one. And you're not, like, a horror person. You're, like, you're mildly horror, but this one, you're like, I'm in. Yeah, it, like... It feels X-Files-y, and I was an X-Files fan as a kid and enjoyed the X-Files revival. And there's enough in it uh, 
that it, it just it feels like that. And so that drew me in. And then the first two issues have a good kind of surprise or twist in it that you're like, oh, okay, I don't know what's happening anymore. And I want to keep reading. Like even finishing the arc, I'm like, I want to keep reading. I have so many unanswered questions. I'm satisfied with what I got, but I still like again, like an X Files episode, like, was that legit or what's happening with that? Or there's that seed that what is happening over there and I need to keep going. Nice. Yeah, all forty seven I almost said over forty seven episodes. See, you got me thinking X Files now, man. Um all forty seven issues, of course. Coming from um, started what like July of 2012, finished mm-hmm. in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, it was something that I had heard through the grapevine um, mm-hmm. that this was something not only that you wanted to read. Um, there was a sharp decline in readership later on towards the end of the run um, because of some decisions that were made. But overall, the story carries itself really well. It brings such a great. Are, wait, are we spoiling? I mean, it's yeah, been, it, it, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's okay. been I'm, I'm, four I'm, years since the end. I had to check with, because Manderson's like, I didn't say nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah I wasn't sure. So, all right. Yeah. So, it's a great take on a zombie, not zombie story. Mm. Um, it gives yeah. enough space that it kind of keeps you guessing. Um, and considering that I did finish it because, like a dork, I was like, oh, how many issues are in there? Rhyme number one. <laughs> Even though I know that they're usually between five to seven. And sometimes Image likes to throw an entire story in there, not just an arc. And you're like, oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that happened with me. Um, considering that I'm usually not a big horror fan, I can. it's more palatable for me in a comic-based form than it is traditionally with movies because it doesn't freak me out. Books, my imagination runs wild. Please don't do that to me ever again. Um <laughs> And the Steve's is like, now I know what to get her meant. No, <laughs> and Manderson's like, hmm, I could help with this. <laughs> um, so it was. It's a really great turn on on zombies in such a fresh way that it balances the need for spoopity and horror and mystery and a little bit of sci-fi, and it's 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 kind of. It's gently caressing all of the bases that you need to have a story that's going to hook somebody like myself or Madison who are not traditional horror-esque readers. And this is not even a truly, like, the farther you get, it's not a horror-horror story. It's not big on the guts and the gore, and it's not without justification to where it is in panels. Mm -hmm. So, I liked it. Estaves? Yeah, I I appreciate... Tim Seeley's um, uh, his, his respect toward the horror genre. Uh, he he wrote Hackslash because he one day was he remembered watching all these horror movies with his was with his parents and he wanted to um, he wanted to make his own horror genre in the comic books based off of everything he watched and that's how Hackslash came across. And so I was um, excited to see where he was going in a non-hack slash horror story. He had already done work with Marvel and DC. And with this, it's like like you were saying, it respects, it's a shout out to an X-Files and the Romero zombie flicks uh, of, of the past. And he creates this story that I always, I love that he sticks with the whole final girl element in Hackslash. And in this case, your main characters are two sisters. And I love the continued presence of the heroine being involved in these stories. The female, the, the female lead, the woman, who, the two women who are our main focus in the story, as well as the supporting character, the, uh, the journalist who's involved as well. Um, I appreciate that. I, it, it isn't a frightening story, and it's hard to be frightening when it comes with comic books. Uh, you can you can have, you know, in, in Joe Hill, you can have him writing a comic and have it be horror filled, and it's it is difficult to make someone jump out and be afraid because you're just turning a page and there's an image there, and it depends on the way the image is done. But this didn't rely on jump scares. It didn't rely on just trying to scare you. It wanted to put you in this eerie atmosphere. 
It wanted to put you right in the heart of this small town in Wisconsin. This quarantine that's uh, occurred, which now that word has become, you know, common usage uh, in our society in the past year, year and a half. Um, so hearing that in this kind of like was relatable and it's, it did such a good job with that. I, I appreciate the, the focus on the, the conspiracy theories, the religious zealots, everyone who's trying to get their hands on what's happening in this small town and to make it fit in their specific beliefs or ideologies when, Around all that, it's just these two sisters trying to figure out what the hell's going on. Um, one sister trying to understand why her, why her sister is dead, how her sister was killed, who was her murderer, uh, some, and then dealing with some whack job who thinks he's the savior of this town, trying to do the work of God by destroying the devil or Satan. Uh, on in this small town. And again, it's never in these first five issues, clear, never clarifies why people are coming back to life. They just are. They die on January 1st. They come back to life on January 2nd. We don't know why it's happening. They're saying I it's do. the rapture. You do. I you do because you went ahead. Extra credit. Uh, <laughs> I'm okay with that title. <laughs> uh, but it's, it leaves everyone wondering and everyone starts to have their opinions and their their information and this information. Man, this rings true to present day, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> Tim Seeley writing the future, maybe. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed those aspects of it very much. Um, favorite parts in Revival? Amy? Um, so first and foremost, we've established that the main character, of course, is Dana. She is a detective. She's a single mom, but she co-parents really well. Shout out to her son, Cooper. Mm -hmm. Um, so there are two big parts that end up moving forward. To, I, I like that they're represented in the first volume. They help establish a leg track and grounding for the big reveal as well as a bit more understanding. Um, so first off, her sister, whose name is M, mm -hmm. um, it's actually Martha, <laughs> but she goes by M. Um, I don't know when you first read it, you do kind of say Martha. Anyway, you did. I we, I, we know you did. Manderson and I are like, yes, he did. We know he did. Um, so M or Martha is actually the sister who is previously, she is revived, resurrected. Um, and, we don't really know until we have that first big reveal of um, Dana is called out to the farm to deal with somebody else who is revived and who's slowly maddening. Um, she's an older woman. She just, she, she can't get around it. She just wanted rest. Like the desperation, they, the Tim balances really well, the desperation of a woman who thought her time was done. She had said goodbye and now she's back. Um, but Dana brings M with her at this time, and we don't know that there's anything wrong with M. And then M literally takes a uh, a scythe to the chest, and she's okay. And you're like, oh, what? Shoot. Excuse me. Yeah. Don't tell Dad. Yes. Don't, yes. Don't just, tell Dad. And you're just like, oh, okay. <laughs> I won't tell. Martin Lawrence, shit just got real. It 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 is probably one of the best like the straight up you could have end scene like mm -hmm. fade to black that was the perfect cliffhanger if that was your plot like or your pilot episode yeah people mm -hmm. would be like what happened mm -hmm. um, the second part that I really like and they never named them in the first volume so this is a little bit of a kind of a peep uh, ahead um, so there are these weird ghost like creatures who are very, very creepy mm -hmm. going through the woods. We call them creeps. It works out. Hey, cool. Um, <laughs> they're walking through the wood. And Cooper, who is the son of Dana, is actually sitting there and he sees them. And he's hearing these words. Like it's, it almost sounds like somebody's drunk. The words are strung out. They're long. And the way that they're bubbled and typefaced gives you that like you can hear it uh -huh. um and then uh -huh. seeing them you're like oh you creepy okay <laughs> we're going inside now and you're like cooper go 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 find mom um 
it balances in itself in such a way that those two sequences you could rip straight from the page and put into in a scene mm-hmm. and and it would be seamless mm-hmm. um and so i think those are that's and that's just from the first issue like if i want to go farther on i've got a couple more <laughs> um and i can i can probably stop around 5 um but it's so those were the ones that just even i think manderson can agree like on initial jump those are the ones that created such a great impact that additional favorite like panels or moments are farther along but those are the ones especially if you're just like oh i just want to it's a it's an image first so i'm getting it for a buck like someone said it was good those will be like <gasps> and you will go buy the rest of it mhm mm-hmm. yeah mandy I, I agree that uh, end scene of the first issue where she takes a sight, that was like, when and she comes back, like, oh, I'm in. That's what got me hooked. Um, and then the reveal of, like, the, those, everything you just said, 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in the, the second issue, um, when they go back to the old woman who has had her the top of her head cut off and mm-hmm. she's just lying there, and they show her, and her teeth are partially grown back. Like on the first issue, she's pulling out her teeth, mm-hmm. and uh, they're just growing back in. And she's like, "I gotta pull them out so I can wear my dentures." She puts her dentures in, the dentures fall out, and there's new teeth. So like all that, and then they just like, "Well, let's put the head back on," and she comes back alive again. And it's like, "Oh man, that's like that was so <laughs> X filey creepy horror right there." Mm-hmm. Because in my head, I'm like, ah, oh, her head's... Okay, fine, she's typical zombie. You you know, you take out the brain, and they put it back on. She comes back to me, ah, God! <laughs> uh, and then later on, when she creeps into her daughter's funeral, because she killed her daughter mm-hmm. in an in a insane rage, and the remorse that she feels, and then the punishment she gives herself, that was just like one of those things where it was, it was a layer of... The people that have revived are, they're still who they are, but there's a suffering that is driving them insane. You see that with M too a little bit and that balance, especially with her. It's like um, Amy pointed out, she was, she was done. She was ready to go. Mm -hmm. And she, as she said, heaven rejected me or heaven didn't have space for me. Something like along those lines. Yeah, heaven rejected me. That was the, um, like the gravity of that line that mm-hmm. this woman, she she was, we can call her spiritual, religious, what have you. She yeah. literally, when she says, heaven rejected me and left me in this purgatory, yeah. it creates such this picture of, was her, like it, it brought up questions for me whether life prior had been purgatory or if just this moment of finally she believes she has rest and she's, no, she's not allowed to rest. Yeah. Like, yeah. That, like what what that does to her and then the resulting actions that she takes and that insanity and the final um almost uh repentant it's it's almost a repentant moment where she she's in the crematorium and she rips open the gas and tells that guy to run and you see the explosion that she's like I I did this act of evil that I didn't mean I'm remorseful for it. And I'm, I'm making myself pay for it because of it. Like there's, it, it, it gave a, a depth to the revived specifically that I was not necessarily expecting, um, that early on at least. Um, and I, so I really enjoyed that her coming back and then her ending herself for the third time. Mm-hmm. And we, I'm interested to see if she comes back later on and cause she does it in the first five, but, you never know. <laughs> you never know. I have uh, no use talking here because you've all named the scenes I love the most. The panel was the... Uh, really? You did yes. like the, the fight sequence, M's fight sequence? Oh, that was, of course, badass. I, I liked the, oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the out in the woods. Um, I also or liked the M's, bar fight sequence. The bar fight sequence, her taking all the hits. I did like uh, M jumping on the uh, that guy's uh, snow snowmobile. Uh, snowmobile? And snowmobile? Uh, sacrificing herself kind of to kill him 
And as we see her, she's laughing because she survives, even though her leg is broken. She's all battered yes. and she's laughing out loud because she's still she's still here, still alive, and took care of that guy. Um, That's one of those moments that I, if it was on on film. It would be hard to watch, mm-hmm. and that's where the comic's a little bit more forgiving. But it's also one of those ones like I'm reading is like, oh, that looks, this is not right. No, on, that's uh, so good. Yeah, it, she reminds me of John McClane in the Die Hard movies because yeah. he was always in all the fights he has with all the henchmen, he's always talking shit on the guys he's fighting. Which is one of my favorite things about John McClane. The guy could be towering over him, and as he's fighting him, he's talking shit to him. Uh, of the Vengeance saying, you look at a motherfucker named Lurch and hitting him with a chain. And and, and just that, and that's what I love about John McClane. He's a shit talker while he's fighting you. And there's a part in, uh, I think it was Diary of the Vengeance, where after he wins, he is laughing. He's on the ground laughing after he beats the guy. And so when I saw her laughing, that's the first thing I thought of. It's her John McClane moment. She beat the bad guy. She's beaten to hell. And she's laughing about it because she's still here and he's not. And I was like, that's her John McClane. Um, what I appreciate, so I'm always comparing with his previous horror, uh, Hackslash. Hackslash had more of the tongue in cheek comedic side with graphic bloody horror. Uh, there were dramatic moments, of course, for Cassie in those comics and they were really good, but for the most part, it's tongue in cheek comedy with graphic horror and a shout out to the old, uh, you know, the, the 80 slashers with this one. It had more dramatic weight to it than Hackslash did. This one had more of a emotional feeling with Dana and M. Dana being a single mom, thinking of her, her her child, M trying to figure out why she is the way she is, and not being able to to remember how she died. Uh, dad in the picture, their dad, and how his relationship is with Dana and M. It, it just felt there was a lot more emotional emotion building between the characters in this comic than it was in hack slash, which is purposely done. Hack slash again is trying to be a shout out to the slasher. Uh, revival was more of a shout out to the, the thriller X files zombie, uh, walking dead esque. You could say the way they're dealing with the emotions. Um, and yeah, a bit of that, Fargo. Far, yes, Fargo, you, you nail it too. That first issue is the pilot. Of this of this idea, that's how you end the first. That's how you end the first episode and hook the audience, and which is funny because Revival is also facing the same things as a hack slash series. They people bought rights to it. They want to make it a show. They want to make it a movie. But then nothing has occurred yet, and I think they've had rights to it ever since 2017. Like 2009. Uh, yes, 2009. Oh, and, that's and, hack slash. Hack slash 2009. Uh, 2017 for Revival. And still nothing has gone forward. It's like they can't decide if they want movie or series. And Revival, like Hackslash, should be a series, in my opinion. This should be a a, a streaming service series. Give it the freedom it deserves. Put it on HBO Max or a Netflix or a Hulu and let them have at it. Mm. Uh, But we'll see because it continues. It's the the curse of Tim Seeley's uh, independent projects. They end up getting bought... Mm. Rats getting bought and in limbo, and we don't know when they'll get made. But I, it, and the reason I say sad is because I think he's brought up some great comic stories that are worthy of television adaptation. Uh, mm-hmm. Hackslash and Revival alone are, I, you read them and you visually, you, you like we just did here, you see the series in your head as you're reading these comics. We're, we're picturing these moments ourselves and, yeah, it's just, uh, I, I like the thriller horrors that also make you, you know, that you get attached to. And I'm happy to see that my not-so-big-fan-of-horror Amy and Manderson, who's meh, I think with horror stuff, you guys enjoying this one very well. Well, it's, I think for me, it comes in this space that is balanced. <coughs> it's not, I've seen, I can't say I've seen the worst of the worst, but I've seen pretty grotesque when it comes to comic books. And specifically, if we talk about Crossed, that is grotesque, deranged for the sake of saying, oh, it's horror. And it's not. It's gore, it's gore porn. Mm-hmm. Like, at its, it's debased gore porn. People that like gore porn can't even read it. Um, so you've got to be in such a mindset or a, 
a state of mind or a state of personality that you're like, oh, eat this up. Yeah. This balances in such a great space that Tim Seeley writes for TV. He writes mm-hmm. for his his works to be translated seamlessly. And the books and the art give you that space. And this, it honors, like Madison said, it honors X-Files. It honors Fargo. It feels like a, it takes not even the trope of, and we can't even say it's a zombie trope because it doesn't fully acknowledge zombie, zombieism. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, functions in that small town mindset in the middle of winter. And there are so many books and stories that it all starts in a small town mm-hmm. with a strange occurrence. And it just gravitates because we're dropped in the center of it. That's the biggest kicker. That's why we have so many questions. We don't get a lead up. We get this story. Initially, the open is literally like it's a, it's a, a poem that's been written and you're getting snippets of it while it's panning across the landscape. And then boom, you're in the middle of the story. So you're trying to catch up. You're trying to keep up. And the horror becomes more suspense built, which makes it palatable for people that are not big horror fans or are not super well-versed in that. They can still go, oh, I recognize this from that. Or I recognize this from that. And, Considering Tim Seeley also worked on Nightwing, G.I. Joe, Transformers, he's done a lot of work. But when it comes to his independent projects, they are so easily translatable to screen because he writes them to be seen on all media mm-hmm. instead of just in comic books. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I, what attracted me to his comics beforehand is, is, is that it feels like I'm reading a TV show or a movie when it comes to his work. But it's in comic book form. Um. Yeah. Bravo, Amy. Bravo. <laughs> it's not like I've drank almost all of this Jack and Cherry Pepsi. <laughs> this is a highball glass. It was full. It was. It was full. Uh, so, um, Amy is already. Amy's already revealed that she has read all the volumes. Correct. She's read everything. All eight. So there's a there's a. So I guess I, uh, that means two thumbs up for volume one. Then I guess since you continued. Mm-hmm. Uh, Manderson, you approve of Volume One by Tim Seeley? I do. Yeah, I, uh, ten ten stars, two thumbs, whatever, whatever, <laughs> whatever <the> it is. <laughs> all, all of them. I all like them. the book. I like the book. <laughs> I, um, I was just while you guys were chatting, uh, mm-hmm. going back and looking at the last page of each, and he does a good job of putting something on that last page that makes you want to keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, even 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 the the end of the arc it's it's not like the m coming back to life or uh the that um mrs vang in next mm-hmm. to like a salt circle with a uh that Talented. guy's phone going off in the background like a limp biscuit it's yeah which i appreciated that actually every time i saw that i was like mm-hmm. you're hearing yeah. it in your head yeah it was hearing it in my head yeah. Um, so he he does a good job of of putting something there that you're like, oh, I need to read next issue. Mm-hmm. Regard like I mean every his, the whole story is like, well, I need to keep going because I want to know what happens. But that last page and you and almost that last panel specifically was like, I need that next issue now. Mm-hmm. I don't have time right now, but I'm. <laughs> I don't. I'll be late. It's fine. Let's go. Is it? Is it twelve oh five a.m.? I'm not. I need the next one. I need the next it's one. It's okay. Let's see. Yeah, we'll keep going. I'll, I'll work Who through needs, the headache tomorrow. I'll sleep when I'm sleep. dead. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, unless you get revived. Unless you're in That's the small true. town of Wisconsin, yeah. and it also plays on that. It's always easy to pull off stories like these in these small towns in the middle of nowhere, because mm-hmm. small towns, you you hear the news that happens in. Los Angeles, in New York, in Miami. You don't hear what happens in the small, quiet towns. That's why stories like you know, Halloween uh, in the small town of Haddonfield work. Uh, Scream, they're in... Um, uh, Still haven't uh, seen that one, but I, I know we'll, find, we'll get to it. One Woods of Grove? Days. Woods Grove? Hold on. Woodsboro. Woodsboro. They're in uh, the place where Drew Barrymore dies. Yes, the small town of Woodsboro, because... When they happen in the small towns, small towns tend to keep things to themselves. Now, in this case, this story deals with 
now it's getting media attention. Everyone knows it's happening in this town. The police are doing their best to keep things uh, quarantined, keeping them out, keeping them in. It, it, again, touches on those elements that, you know, kind of uh, talks about our society and then the way we jump to conclusions and our conspiracy theories and what we think and taking elements of this and believing it aligns only to what we believe and not the other way. And it's just, it's... I really enjoy Tim Seeley's work, and this continues my uh, enjoyment of his work. And maybe we'll have to talk to him in the future about his about these works and what he has planned uh, yeah. outside of this, uh, or what he's continuing. Because we does have right now uh, Superman versus Lobo with Sarah Beatty, and forgive me, I forgot the artist's name. You'll remember. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. We posted about it on our social media, and I did tag yeah. all three. But he's got that going right now. Uh, but I'd love to see what other uh, horror ideas he has in the future. And, well, and I, I think yeah. it even turns on it. So, like, part of this story really reminded me of in the center section of American Gods, you know, Eamon, mm-hmm. there is Shadow, who's our main character, actually ends up going to a small town. Mm-hmm. And the small town has had a history he ends up picking up randomly a book that is the town meeting minutes he got at the library sale for like a buck. And they gave him, was like, buy two, get one free. He ends up getting it. And it's literally coming from like the 1800s. And every, it's not even every spring, every winter, about midwinter, a child goes missing. And they just keep going missing. And it's such and such went, went missing. And they call it, they give it almost like this, oh, you know, they, it's almost like, oh, they went on a walkabout. And Shadow's like, I can't figure this out. And the reveal for actually what are happening to these children is such a great play for the book as a whole. But the vibe is exactly the same. And Tim builds it in such a great way that you're like, this is happening. And you've got the press of the outside, the continual crush of just people from the outside going, I need to know. I I believe this is the cure-all. I believe this is this. I believe this is that. And the people on the inside going, I just want to get out of my town. Can I can I get away? And it builds such this great pressure that it impacts our characters in the town, but also simultaneously us as the reader. We're in that space where we're functioning on both sides of that bubble, and it forces us to choose a side in such a great way. So the longer the longer in you get, sorry, the longer and farther in you get, the that kind of inside-outside view that we're getting in both perspectives from volume one becomes greater the farther in for the next six or seven um, because there's eight volumes altogether. But you literally are feeling like, do you, what do you believe? Where do you believe in relation to this? The ones that have come back, do you think it'll continue? Do you think that it's going to, is it, is it something in the water? <laughs> is it something in the water? Is it something in, in the air? Is it these people? We're like, you yourself, as the detective you are as a reader, Tim gives you as much rope as you would like to hang yourself with. And it is the blessing and the curse of being a curious person that keeps you reading. Mm-hmm. And I think that is what ends up creating such a great sticking power to a comic that, to be very honest, I'd heard a lot about, I knew about when it came to horror. Personally, there's a couple other ones that I would straight up recommend simply because I'm like, I actually read these ones and they scared me. <laughs> um, but this one I had read prior and I was like, okay, yeah. Because it's not it's not traditional. It's not Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. It's It gives you, it's such a breath of fresh air to a what happens when the person you love comes back. They're a zombie. They're not going to eat your brains but they're going nuts. Mm-hmm. And there's no way that you can help them as much as you want to. It's not going to help. Mm-hmm. There you have it. If you haven't read it yet, we all, we all recommend Revival by Tim Seeley and Mike Norton. There are eight volumes total. We went over volume one. Please feel free to go get that comic at your nearest comic shop, wherever it yep. may be. Uh, or if you need to, go over to Comixology, our friends, and Comixology. find it there. <laughs> Don't doesn't Nerdon have a code or something for Comixology? Oh, why did you say that? Why did you say I that? don't know I because I didn't remember. Because if you're in the in the Sacramento area, we can always recommend you going over to Empire's Comics Vault, located on 1120 Fulton Avenue. Sweet, Sweet. Okay. 
Pugs, and, hugs, hot sauce, all sorts of shenanigans. Mm-hmm. And if you go to nerdon.tv, you will find that Comixology code somewhere on that website. Yes, there, there it is. <laughs> that's, that's how you get around it today where I'm like, hey, don't we have a code? Yeah, we do. It's somewhere on the website, guys. Go. Whichever method you choose, please pick up Revival by Tim Seeley and Mike Norton. It is worth your time to enjoy this spooky season. Good episode, guys. Good episode. That concludes the first installment of the three features of Fright. And be sure to be here next time for episode 174 when we discuss something is killing the children (laughs) by James Tinian and Werther Deledra. Ooh, I hope oh, I, I love James Tenyon. That's going to be... I did pretty good on that one. Yeah. Uh, you... From Boom Studios, Something is Killing the Children, Volume 1, will be the second installment of our three features of Fright. Man, Something's Killing the Children. I mean, the next one, we might as well throw in some ice cream, man, while we're at it. Let's get scary. We, we'll let you know what the third installment is. It'll, it's coming. You'll find out at the end of our next episode what our third installment will be. But until then... We don't want you reading ahead. No, don't read ahead. Don't don't be don't be Amy. Don't be Amy. (laughs) Don't be Amy and get excited about your medium. (laughs) Until then, please, wherever you are listening to this podcast, if you're listening to it on Apple Podcasts, please hit the subscribe button, leave a review, let us know exactly how much you enjoy this and all of our episodes. Uh, If you didn't enjoy it, then just walk away. Just walk away and never. We don't mind if you you reach out onto Instagram or Twitter. We do. We don't mind a fight. Not Mostly at all. Steve's. Steve's mm-hmm. likes to put things in there. <laughs> I do. Um, we're we're more than happy to take your constructive criticism. But mm-hmm. if you call us a poopy head, you, you're gonna. I'm gonna say not no. Be no, you're a poopy head and block because <laughs> I will get the last say. You're a big poopy head. Block. That's what I'll do, and I'll do that on Instagram where we are under. The K plus Crusaders, and on Twitter where we are the K plus ones, and because on the Facebook head that took our our Instagram or our Twitter handle, we'll never relinquish it. What a poopy head! And he hasn't That's done. By the way, that guy hasn't done anything since we started in yep. years. We shut him down, poopy head. Anyway. <laughs> I suppose I said poopy head in my entire life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got him to say poopy head. So look at that. Like. Subscribe and please share this show with your friends. Um, I am the Azorian one, Anthony Steves, and I am joined by uh, Miss. Not having a small pop version of Sandy Claus from The Nightmare Before <laughs> Christmas, where I might enjoy all things spoopity and snowy. This is Amy. But technically, I guess he's down on the bottom of our Zoom circle screen in a walking in that winter wonderland. So wintry, mm. so chilly. Yeah. This is uh, Son of Mander, the assistant to the intern. I got a demotion since the start of the episode. Because <laughs> of the background, I just got, that's why. I just got the email, so that's yeah, fun. That's because of the background. Anyway, yeah. At least your fob still okay. works. It's true. On the evening of this harvest moon... We are the Capeless Crusaders. Until next time, good night. (laughs) Bye. Later, y'all.